Locked on White Sox is back, and there's rumors, so many rumors about Tony La Russa. Who's going to be the next White Sox manager? What to make of all of this? But before we get into the show, we are brought to you today by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. I am Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. On this glorious Thursday evening, how are you doing? Wait, 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 wait. I got to correct you there. You said locked on socks. I, uh, we're locked on La Russa now. Uh, it's been a mandate by Jerry Reinstorf where you have to change the name of the program to Locked on La Russa. So that, that's where we're at now. We're living in the in the post-Tony La Russa hired era. So we just all have to act accordingly, okay? So now that that's uh, out of the way, uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, sorry, you guys, for not being able to uh, record earlier this week other than uh, Monday's show, but uh, I had a little uh, technical problems last night with the old computerooski, and uh, you know, you do the Windows updates, and then you turn it back on, and then it doesn't want to turn back on, so then you're sitting here trying to troubleshoot for an hour, but we're back to normal uh, per usual, and we're here to talk about a couple of uh, interesting socks and things tonight. First and foremost, obviously, we'll give you the latest on Tony Larusa and the whole saga that's uh, unfolding with the new White Sox managerial gig. And also, we'll tell you sort of what led up to the ousting of Rick Renteria and Don Cooper. And uh, we'll tell you also what people around baseball are saying about Tony Larusa's chances to be the new White Sox manager. All right, but let's get started here, Herb, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right, so there was an interesting piece yesterday uh, Daryl Van Scowen wrote of the Sun-Times. It uh, chronicled uh, something that was very surprising to me and I think encouraging news if you're a White Sox fan. He had a great piece talking about the uh, the ending of the Rick Renteria and Don Cooper era. He tried to get a little exit interview out of Rick Renteria, but he's a class act. He refused, but he thanked Daryl for the opportunity. But uh, Daryl Van Scowen says this, In Renteria's last weeks as manager, growing friction with the front office became more evident to those around him. After the Sox clinched a postseason berth on September 17th, General Manager Rick Hahn said it was Renteria he was most happy for, and Hahn expressed similar thoughts for the coaching staff. But the Sox getting swept by the Indians in four tight games with a chance to put away the division crown and the days that followed into the 2-1 to wildcard series loss to the Athletics were tipping points. Uh, if you guys remember, of course, it was the Indian series, the whole Carlos Rodon thing, and then that Cubs series, which was, uh, by and large, pretty embarrassing. Uh, Daryl continues on to say, even before all that, not all was seashells and balloons between Renteria and the front office. Renteria and his coaches, including pitching coach Don Cooper, pushed back, not entirely, but to a degree, on the in-game use of metrics and data as supplied to them by the Sox baseball operations staff, sources said. 
That, along with Renteria's belief that the rebuild was ahead of schedule, yet his desire to add pitching help at the trade deadline fell on deaf ears, created some disharmony, sources said. While Han declined to cite displeasure with any managerial moves that were made, ultimately it was Renteria's decisions from the dugout that played into a decision made collectively by Han, Vice President Ken Williams, and Chairman Jerry Reinsdorf to turn the page. All right, Herb, so... You know that's uh, it's not surprising there. Uh, it is kind of surprising to me uh, about how the, apparently, I, and I guess I don't fault Recon for this or any of the Sox brass, but they wanted that division title, and you know it's tough to say looking back at it now as the Astros are in the ALCS, and I don't know if if that would have been a good matchup for the Sox, but it would have been nice to see see how it shaped out. But does that surprise you there when you hear about the Sox? Uh, front office and analytics and them trying to push the, the numbers and data on their coaching staff. Uh, we really truly are in a new era of White Sox baseball. Yeah, it's, it's shocking and we can widen out a little bit for our conversation we're going to have later. So also shocking why, yes. you know, that number one guy is out there. So, yeah, um, Ricky being hesitant and Don Cooper, of course, being hesitant to embrace analytics, especially in-game analytics. Yeah, that's not shocking at all, but them pushing it on them and them wanting to win the division and having a thirst for that. Like I said before, in a regular season where it's a buck 62 and we're going for the division, meaning winning the division gives you an advantage in the playoffs. I understand being mad in this garbage season, 60 games. It didn't give you advantage. As you see, the Houston Astros. 3-2 3-2 now in the ALCS. They didn't win their division. They didn't come close to it. They beat the people who won the division in the LDS. So it doesn't really matter at all if you win the division at all. So I just don't know why that was so important to them to hang a banner. It's dumb. It doesn't matter. Make yeah. the playoffs this year was the only thing. But um, that sh- shined a little more light on the firing of Ricky Rentery and Don Cooper, especially because they want to go in a different direction where they're putting their players in the best positions to win. And analytically, if you're giving your guys the best chance, especially like you look at the numbers of, you know, a righty lefty, a guy that's faced this other guy a lot of times and he's had success. That's all I want. I want the manager to put those players in the best position to succeed. And if they don't, that's on the players. But from the beginning, that's on the GM, it's on the manager, so the pitching coach and the hitting coach type of thing. But, yeah, I'm very surprised the Sox are pressing that. And for that office, that front office especially, to be pushing that where their analytics staff is known to not be that extensive, very surprising. Absolutely. And like many of us, uh, Rick Renteria, it, it seems like Rick Renteria was was used a little bit here, uh, kind of a, as, a, as a chess piece on the board for the for upper management who, who knew, like all of us did, that Rick Renteria wasn't going to be the guy ultimately when the Sox got good. But here's your manager. You're, you're supposed to trust him first and foremost of what he's seeing and hearing at the field level, asking for reinforcements at the trade deadline. And didn't get them, and then ultimately that's used against him when you can't get yourself out of a game three in a playoff series. So I, I thought that was interesting, but I, I don't want to sit here and relitigate moves that were not made at the deadline uh, because we don't know the offers that were on the table. We're not privy to that informa- information, but we were both on record of saying at the time, 
yeah, I, I don't have a burning desire for the Sox to make moves to try and fortify the roster in, in 2020. Um, you know, we know every every bite at the apple uh, is, is sacred and every opportunity you have to get in the postseason is sacred because you're never guaranteed to be there the next year. But I think we were in a position where we were not comfortable parting with anyone that was on the big league roster uh, for someone like Lance Lynn or any, anyone else that was dangled out there. You, you know, I was talking back and forth with uh, Nick Schaefer um, uh, for baseball perspectives a lot yesterday, and one of the names that was floated out there was Taiwan Walker. And he ended up going to the Blue Jays, obviously, and the Blue Jays ended up eking into the postseason, and they were a quick out uh, by the Yankees. Uh, and, you know, that was a player-to-be-named-later situation, and I was reading about it, and those player-to-be-named-later situations sometimes often have escalators in them where if you reach the postseason after the acquisition of the player in the trade, then that price goes up. And, you know, it, it gets very complicated. So I could see why Rick Hahn was hesitant to make a deal like that, where all of a sudden now you get into the offseason and you're, and you're still trying to, you know, uh, figure out what player's going where. And also Taiwan Walker is a free agent at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. he, 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 who knows if you even get out of that game three with him. Maybe he has a bad outing and that's it. Then you, he ends up leaving and you get nothing for him. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, I, I'm not going to relitigate the moves that were not made. Would they have benefited from having someone else out there? Sure. But at what cost? I don't know. I never saw any reports on what people were asking for for – you know, respectable starting pitching. I'm still cool with them standing pat because now all of a sudden you have have depth going forward. If you want to make a, a trade for someone for a you know a bigger sample size than the 162, you have some arm, arms to do that. If you need other reinforcements, you have a little depth there, and I like their chances a lot better this year with, with more options available to them. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting how they they kind of used that against him. Uh, when he was out there asking for help, and they didn't give it to him. And then what happens? The biggest weakness on the roster, that third starter, ended up being the you know a screaming uh, weakness uh, in terms of their playoff exit. So uh, just interesting stuff right there uh, about the Sox. You know they're fashion forward here. They're forward thinking with the organization for the first time, and I don't know how long. I never thought I'd read a, a piece about the White Sox being uh, at the forefront of, of data, especially with in-game stuff. So I don't know if that meant, you know, uh, the data for who would start that game, you know, what what pitchers would go, how many innings. Like maybe they had this plan laid out or at least a plan in their head. Rickon comes down from his office and says, here, Ricky, here's kind of what we drew up. Here's the data. Here's the guys in the order that we think they should go in terms of matchups, in terms of, you know, spin rates against this Oakland A's lineup from the right-handed side. Here's everything you need to know. And then Rick Renteria just goes out there and just does whatever based on a gut. So I can see how that, that could be frustrating. But do you take anything else away from this article other than they seem to be in a, in a different direction going forward? Wouldn't you say the White Sox? Like, it doesn't seem to me like they'd be a, a team to sort of take a step backwards in terms of their manager, does it? Exactly. And it seems to me that Ricky got a raw deal, got all of the shit, all of the bad stuff that happened with the White Sox. Finally, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now they have problems with you. They've had problems. This this didn't just jump up. This didn't just happen. This is the first team that Ricky Renteria has had that was competitive, that was doing anything in the American League. Now you're going to have problems with them? No, this, these things have persisted. 
Stop acting brand new on this, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, all you. I get it. You want a new manager, and you don't want to shit on him on the way out. But I got to have some type of closure. You fired this man after all he did. And I feel bad for the guy. You know, I also wanted him fired, but I feel bad for the guy <laughs> because second time in his career, he was tasked with, hey, this is a terrible team. What I want you to do is make them better. And he did. And whatever managers matter type of thing, you can you can put a quantifi- quantification on it, whatever. But he, what he got to the end of the year was that team better than what you thought they would be. Yeah, the Cubs back in 14, they finished off better than you thought they would be. And then that man got dismissed. And the White Sox, I picked them for 28 wins. Tanny had them exactly at 35. Did anybody think that they were going to be better than they were? No, no one thought they were going to be that team that was one game out of the AL Central division. And so Ricky took that team from a team that was good, going to compete, to a team that made the playoffs and should have won that playoff series if giving representative third starting pitcher. So I think he got a raw deal with a lot of excuses. And if the White Sox just say, hey, we like Ricky and what he did from getting us from point A to B, we're indebted to him. But we want this guy in particular. We have a guy or guys in particular that we're looking for, and we cannot pass up the opportunity to get one of these guys. I would say, man, that is some nice honesty that I can respect. I can live with that. I can feel that. But to say that, you know, he failed this way, that way, Ricky didn't change. Cool. Some bitch been in the organization for 33 years. What the hell you think was going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? You know that motherfucker. 18 years in the in the system, in the White Sox system, he's cool. We know he's not going to change. So these garbage excuses are exactly that. Just tell me you just want to move on. We like Matt Zalewski. We like this other guy, uh, Kirk Hassler, in our bullpen. We like these other guy, our, our pitching, our minor league pitching coordinator down there. And we think those guys could do, get our pitchers from – where they are now to the next level. Be honest. Yeah. I We're mean, adults. We're all adults. Well, we can take the truth. And those guys, you probably told them the truth. Tell us the truth. It's a hard business. We're good for it. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, I was listening to James Fegan when he was on with you guys. I'm going to get to James Fegan's piece in The Athletic. But, you know, he was talking about how. Uh, Lucas Giolito would, would talk about the data that the White Sox were bringing to the table like at the end of, of 2019. And he was like, oh, I'm kind of surprised. You know, Giolito was talking about, oh, you know, this is, this is you know, new. This is good stuff right here. Like, finally, they're starting to embrace it a little bit. But it feels like it's, it's already too late at that point. If, if all of a sudden you're trying to roll out some of the data in 2019, that's, that, that's unacceptable. You're, you're, you're behind the curve at that point. So I think it's like a little bit of a too little, too late situation for those guys. And maybe they saw the strides from these virtual unknowns, Matt Foster, Cody Hoyer, who I think we've talked about more than any specific guys on the podcast this year, but what they were able to do in the minor league system. Like, you know what? We're going to trust these guys here. These guys with this data told us that these guys were the, were the guys to count on this year, and look, it worked. So I think maybe they, they had a, a moment of clarity, as alcoholics refer to it as, uh, this season when they, when they looked at that stuff. But 
you know, uh, it, it's it's really too little, too late. Like I said, but um, moving on here, uh, more about this manager thing. The, it, you, the White Sox, they are they are at, at the forefront of conversation in baseball now, with the news of of Tony Larusa being granted permission by the Angels. This is per Bob Nightingale's report to interview for the White Sox job. You know. This is just, it's so odd, and every day that that we're living with this, the story just does not go away, and I don't anticipate it going away anytime soon because the World Series still has not started yet, and there's no one, I think, who can't wait for the World Series to end more than Rick Hahn because I'm standing by what what my belief is that it's going to be A.J. Hinch, and I would think you're probably still going to stand by your selection of Alex Cora. Am I right? We're we're both standing pat on that, I would think. I mean, I'm... Maybe trending more to your AJ Hinch. But okay, yeah, I'll yeah. stay for the for the bet wise. I'll but, stay. Okay, but not Larusa. Basically, is what we're saying here, right? Hell so, no, they're okay. all terrible candidates. But yes, <laughs> like the more I think about it, I think Sandy Alomar might be the best candidate. Perfect. But we'll get to that. Like uh, we'll preview some of these managers maybe next week as the World Series is going on. We'll 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 maybe do like a manager draft where we'll pick names out of a hat and talk about the pros and cons of each guy. And then maybe we'll come to a decision or just talk about each guy in, in particular as we get closer to this thing. But so the, the Tony LaRusa thing, you know, it, it, the story won't go away and it is what it is, but you know, I, I go back and forth on this a lot and it just, it seems absurd, but you, you gather a lot of the information and I'm certainly not going to sit here and pound the table for Tony LaRusso to be the next manager. But I was listening to Bernie Miklas, who's been in St. Louis forever. He's a radio guy there, newspaper guy there. And the, the this misconception that Tony LaRusso has been out of baseball since he left the, the, the Cardinals in 2011, winning the World Series. Like, it's not true. He's He's been with organizations every year ever since then. Now, he has been a manager. I know that. But... You know there there is a little bit of a disconnect with the, with the generational gap there, but let's just put all that to rest right now because you see a lot of stuff about you know Tony Larusa is the number one candidate and he's the top candidate right now. But you got to be careful when you read that stuff because that's it's meant for clicks, it's meant for headlines, it's meant to be shared on social media. Just what that means is, in my heart, I believe that you they don't have a top candidate right now because technically they can't talk about their top candidate or candidates be it Hinch or Cora, because they can't be interviewed until after the World Series. Now, there you can interview another team's guys. Uh, there, There is a gentleman's agreement among baseball to not doing any hiring or firing during the week of the World Series, so that could be part of it. But certainly, if the White Sox wanted permission from the Indians to interview Sandy Alomar, they could do so, but they cannot with Hinch or Cora. So I think that's a big part of this here, is why you see LaRusso as the number one candidate, and Sox Twitter loves to get mad at it. But I believe the number one candidate just you you cannot even call him a candidate at this point until the, the second the World Series is over. So let's all let's all chill for about that for a second. But uh, James Fegan wrote about this yesterday in the Athletic, and he was talking about the relationship and sort of the dynamics that go into this Larusa situation. And Fegan says this: a source indicated to the Athletics Ken Rosenthal that Reinsdorf's relationship with Larusa weighs heavily into his candidacy. But whether Larusa truly has the desire to return to the rigor of managing and a schedule full of travel from February to October, both at his age and what will be 10 years removed from his last season is a major factor, salute, that will yet to be determined. That could provide the perception that the job is LaRusso's to accept or turn down, and USA Today has reported that LaRusso is the team's number one candidate, which I just talked about. And recent October experience with the championship organization would be ideal, but we're going to keep an open mind, Rick Hahn said. 
And to that, Ken Rosenthal said that former Astros manager AJ Hinch is considered to be a viable option by the club. There you go. There's just some, some logic injected into this situation. And we live in an era where people love to get upset when they see something written in, in print uh, online. But I still don't think that this is going to be a thing. And, you know, we, we have this perception, at least the Sox fans, Sox Twitter, they, they generate this 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 avatar of Jerry Reinsdorf where he's a guy micromanaging, meddling in every decision. And yes, we've talked about his loyalty in the past to people that haven't always been the most successful, but I've been thinking about it for the past couple of days and I can't remember whether it's with the Bulls or the White Sox, a situation where Jerry Reinsdorf stepped over someone or vetoed someone's decision to hire a manager. I don't ever remember that happening. Do you? I don't think he ever vetoed anything, but I know he intervened in Kenny Williams' process of hiring the manager and say, hey, how about you give Ozzy Guillen a chance? I mean, it worked out, but also let the man do his job. You know, maybe he would have gotten around to interviewing Ozzy Guillen eventually, or maybe he would have eventually hired Cito Gaston, and they still would have won a World Series with that team. Who knows? But, yeah, um, I'm just not cool with him bringing in Tony La Russa. Like, Rick Hahn, I can feel he doesn't want this bitch. <laughs> Nobody would want him. He's been out of the game for nine-plus years. Yeah, he won a championship with the Cardinals and then retired. But I don't need that. And there was a couple cuts played today on the Dan Bernstein show where he's talking about Colin Kaepernick. And about disrespecting the flag and the, the troops, he's intentionally misleading and uh, not knowing about police brutality and the plight of the black man and black woman in this country. And that's what Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for. He's doing that on purpose to, I don't know, be an ass. I don't want that guy. I don't want that guy leading a team full of brown and black people to the next level. I don't want that guy who came from the Cardinal way to quelch all the quelch all this good fun they have. Tim Anderson throwing the bat, having an enjoyable time. Eloy having an enjoyable time. Luis Robert. It goes down the list. Even Jose Abreu kind of letting his guard down this year and enjoying himself. I don't want that guy to be like, oh, you can't be posting up and bat flipping on these guys and we got to bunt and sacrifice people over to the next base. And if they hit us with a pitch, we hit them back with a pitch. That garbage old school baseball that is not around anymore. I don't need that. I don't need Jerry meddling in his baseball people's decision. If you hired them, let them make the damn decision. Just sign the damn checks. That's all you're there for. Not for counsel, not for anything about baseball. If you need, they need money, they come to you and say, hey, can we get a little bit more money? And you decide that way if you want to meddle in baseball. But never, ever, ever should you mess with the baseball operations and the people who run that. You should always let the people you did, you hired to do the job, do their damn job. And this Tony La Russa thing feels like he's sad about, hey, I let Hawk Harrelson fire him a long time ago. I need to get him back in my good graces. He was there at the 11 World Series with him and celebrating with him. I feel just like Doug Collins. Mm -hmm. Like he was sad that he fired Doug Collins before the Bulls won championships. And so he brought that bitch back under Jim Boylan's staff. 
and Jim Boylan threw his ass out of the practice. So, yeah, he does this all the time. I love Jerry. He's one of the best owners in Chicago history, if not the best. But he needs to get his ass out the way. <laughs> We're on a championship trajectory, and we need to have our baseball people who have done a great job. I, I will be the first one, you guys know that, to tell Rick Hahn what to do with his Teflon suit. That oh, man's done a great job. Upgrading that Teflon suit today. Name the Sporting News uh, GM of the year. So that, that, that Teflon suit's getting some upgrades, maybe even tailored for a, a better suit. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be even more Teflon. These, these, these uh, media people are never going to talk bad about that. It's like the, but he deserves what he can get, yeah. and he deserves to make this hire by himself, unimpeded by his owner, or even Kenny Williams. All right, so what's what's the end game here? Do you think for what? Why? What's going on here? Like, I you know, if you're Larusa, maybe it's you know he's kind of bounced around from organization to organization. You know, average with the Diamondbacks, and then you know moved over to Boston, then with the Angels. You know, but I, I, what's the end game here? Do you think this is a situation where it's like Doug Collins, where he's not going to be hovering over anyone, breathing down anyone's neck to be the next coach or, or manager? You know, maybe he just wants a situation where maybe he loves Chicago, and why wouldn't he? World-class city, spent a lot of years here. Maybe he just wants to finish his career with the White Sox. And look, I, I've said this before, too. You can do a lot worse than having Tony La Russa in your building uh, through the managerial interviewing process to just pick his brain a little bit, see what he thinks about about your roster, about other rosters in, in the division, you know, in, in the league or the division, just about the general state uh, of, you know, from the outside of of the White Sox, you know, make, make sure your organization's on solid ground, you know, that's a, and because he's friends with Reinsdorf, he's going to give an honest opinion, and maybe this does ultimately end up in Larusa getting uh, an advisory role because they they hand those out like candy on the south side. Jim Tomey's got one, you know. Carlton Fisk had one for a while, and and that's a good thing, man. You know, it, it's good to keep your 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 former players and coaches and managers around, you know, and in the good graces. You know, it, it's just good, you know, as they help out with charities and do all this other stuff that we don't see. So I don't know. If the, I think that's the end game here. Is maybe he's not happy with the Angels. You know, uh, maybe he's not a Southern California guy. Maybe he wants to come back to Chicago and spend his last years in baseball uh, next to Jerry Reinsdorf and, you know, sort of make make right what was wronged a long time ago. So I, I think that that's what we're looking at here. All signs and all logic point to this is Rick Hahn's decision. You see it out there printed in the media. So that way, if Jerry does usurp Rick Hahn, you know where Rick stood this whole time. And he, you said it before, but Rick Hahn should quit. And I said it in jest. Immediately. I, yeah, if, if he doesn't get to hire the guy that he wants, Rick Hahn should quit is what you said. And I said Rick Hahn has the toughest job in America. People got very emotional about that, but I meant it in jest. But just think about all, all the stuff you do. Uh, to build up the team and gut it down to the studs and br- build it back up to what it is now, a 35-win team in 60 games, and all of a sudden you have your boss uh, going over you and, and trying to interview people that you have no part of. So, like, that, you know, who would who would want that in their workplace? Like, that would be frustrating for anyone to work with. But ultimately, I, I, th- I think that's what this is. This is just... Uh, you know, picking his brain, maybe giving him a gig, which I obviously have no problem with, but I, I don't think that means that he's got to be manager. And also, why would you want a manager if you're Tony La Russa? Like, w- with everything still, this, this pandemic's going to rage on through the winter months here, and who knows if they'll be back to normal travel uh, come, you know, February, March when it's time for spring training. Why would a man in his late 70s want to go through all 
of that. Like it just it's not reasonable. And you can tell me all you want about him being a fiery competitor and and missing the game and all that stuff, but that just seems exhausting to me, man. That's why that's why I don't think this is going to happen. Coming up after a quick timeout, there's someone close to Tony Larusa. You'll hear his thoughts on whether or not he believes Tony Larusa will take the White Sox job or not. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. You know, winter's coming, folks, so you're going to want to make sure that your car's running tip-top shape, get everything you need, and if you don't have everything you need, make sure you stop over at rockauto.com. You know, there's so many different makes and models of automobiles these days, it's impossible for your local auto parts store to stock all those parts that you may need for your vehicle. Because when you shop at those stores, their inventory is only limited to what their computers and their warehouses have. But you have access to a computer, and that has access to rockauto.com. You see those chain stores I talked about? They have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like you and me. But rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everyone and always reliably low. Rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear, sort of like how airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and they do not require membership or account login. It's so simple. Just go in there, find the parts you're looking for, buy them, and wait for them to arrive at your doorstep. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Just go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And right now, they've got a special promotion for our Lockdown White Sox listeners. Go to RockAuto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write promo code LOCKEDON in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. Lockdown White Sox is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And now the improved Built Bar is even delicious. Built Bar comes in six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. That new flavor, cherry barcia, by the way, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. See, Built Bars are great if you're a health conscious guy or gal on the go. I like to keep them with me here at my desk when I'm doing the show or in my drawer at work just so I can have a protein packed snack that's also delicious right there at the ready anytime I want and don't forget they also have their 12 original flavors that you know and love so much like coconut almond raspberry German chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate orange toffee almond coconut and peanut butter brownie and as always built bars are covered in 100% chocolate they are soft and easy to chew they're not tough like a lot of those other protein bars on the market that you may have had in the past built bars are are awesome. And now, for our Locked On White Sox listeners, they're offering a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So just go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off of your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, so just capping this, Herbie. So what do you, what's the end game here for, for Tony LaRusso? What do you think is, is happening here? Why is this happening? The end game is... The second the World Series ends, Rick Hahn's going to run to A.J. Hinch and they're going to sign a deal like within two days. I'm not going to like it because I think A.J. Hinch is a unrepentant cheater and I don't want him to be running my baseball team. But that's what he's going to do. I've been resigned to that fact. I wish that he would take some time. I mean, he's got to interview a minority candidate, so he'll throw in. I don't know, 
Daryl Boston. He'll throw somebody he knows. Maybe, hopefully, he goes and talks to Sandy Alomar Jr., a guy that he's rec- he's you know familiar with. That'd be a, with the White Sox that'd be a slap in the face, wouldn't it? Didn't they already interview him before the Renteria thing, or no? That yeah, would- no, they interviewed him to be the bench coach for, under Robin Ventura, uh, okay. and he said he didn't want to do that because everybody would be waiting for him to take over for Robin, yeah. which eventually happened with Rick <laughs> Renteria. So, yeah, he was the number one bench coach that after Mark Parent, and he would have been the guy, uh, he would have been the manager right now if he had taken that job under uh, Robin Ventura. Um, so they should interview a minority candidate. It's probably going to be Sandy or Alex Cora. And then as soon as those are over, Rick is going to hire the guy that he wants, which is A.J. Hench. That press conference will happen probably a week after the World Series ends. The Tony Russa thing will be the farce that it should be. And I don't, I don't understand. See, this is the part I don't understand. Why? Like, there's nothing for Tony La Russa to gain by interviewing with the White Sox. There's nothing for the White Sox to gain by interviewing Tony La Russa. No one's going after this some bitch. And if you're looking at Tony La Russa, you just what? You put yourself on like one of the talk shows, debate shows for two days, and you make the score talk about you for a couple days. Great. But what's the end game? What 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 does that bring? Nothing but ridicule, and everybody's saying, "Oh, you're just the same old bullshit club." Then you hire AJ Hinch, and what is it supposed to like? Is that like, oh, such a relief they hired a, a competent manager that won recent championships, like you said in your damn press conference? We already knew you're going to do this. Good job, you jerk. <laughs> so I don't understand the point of this. I will never understand the point of this unless they hire that some bitch. And then I'll be really fired up because that's the wrong move. <laughs> I, I can't wait. The only move I, that can make sure that the White Sox are in the best position to win and also don't get cheaters. And this is another thing. We don't know if A.J. Hinch can manage because that some bitch was cheating. So I don't know if he can manage. Who is the best option? He's the analytics. He went to Stanford. Shut up. Who cares? <laughs> Brad Osmus went to some smart-ass school, and he sucks at <laughs> managing. So tell me – that they're going to hire a baseball man like Sandy Alomar that's got respect across the league, played for your organization multiple times, and has baseball pedigree. His brother played, Hall of Famer, dad played. Let's go, man. That's the best move. You take him away from your closest rival in the division. I don't know why it's not a slam dunk right there to go and get Sandy Alomar. I think he's the perfect fit. And he has nothing, no baggage attached to him. But, yeah, that's uh, going to be my feeling. The, the week they have that press conference, we'll come back on Locked on Sox and we'll bitch. I'll bitch. I don't know if Tanny Tanny might feel great about it, but I'm going to yell. Yeah, I, you think I, I'm yelling now. I'm yelling. I'm gonna yell harder. Yeah, I'll deal with those emotions if we, if we get to that point. Like I, I haven't, uh, you know, I've got some thoughts on it for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I want to explore Sandy Alomar with you a bit next week, and we'll we'll talk about some under the radar guys, some guys who don't be surprised if you hear this guy's name or that guy's name. But I think we have at least another week to talk about this because of the the uh, suspension factor. So I'm looking forward to that. But there there was a guy that that knows Tony Larusa. He was on the radio in Boston today on W. EEI, uh, audio courtesy of WEEI in Boston, and I, I assume they had him on to commemorate the 32nd anniversary of the Kirk Gibson home run, uh, because why else would you have on Dennis Eckersley uh, on a Thursday afternoon in Boston? I know he's he, he does TV work for them, but here's what uh, Dennis Eckersley had to say 
about Tony LaRusso and his thoughts and whether or not he thinks he'll take the job or not. I tell you what, my gut, I just talked to Tony this morning, but I wouldn't tell you what I talked about, <laughs> but my, my gut tells me, no, you know, it's, you know, that's the only situation he would go to though. My, you know, I mean, cause he set, has such a great relationship with Reinsdorf. Yeah. But, but it doesn't make any sense. Does it? I mean, it just doesn't, but if Tony wants to do it, he's going to do it. And my gut tells me he won't, you so, know, so, or so, they won't. You're one or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Okay. So a couple of things there. One, you know, I felt a little better after hearing that because I don't think uh, that he wants to do it. It doesn't sound like he would want to do it for all the reasons that I mentioned about him being an older guy. It sounds, it sounds like a hassle, to be honest with you. But also another thing that, that, that struck me there is the White Sox are, have become a destination for top managerial candidates, so even more reason why you should stay away from Tony Larusa. And look, I'm, I, he's a Hall of Famer. I know it. I was there. You were there when he got inducted. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a smart baseball man. But we're in agreement, not for this team, not that guy, not the right guy for the team and, and, the, and the personalities you have. And it's not like he's never managed personalities before. I get it, but it's just it's not the right fit. Fit is so important when you're talking about. The, the, the delicacies and the intricacies of Major League Baseball Clubhouse over what is half the half of the calendar year practically. So you, it ha- the fit has to be absolutely ideal, and I just don't know if it's there. But when you hear Dennis Eckersley talk about uh, just you know speaking to Tony Larusa earlier today and getting the gut feeling that he's not going to do it, um, do, do you feel a little bit better after hearing that? Do you kind of lockstep with me that you don't think it's going to be a thing after hearing that? Yeah, because – Another thing, where is the like? What does Tony Larusa get out of this? Imagine he wins a World Series with the White Sox. He's already a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and on a team that already had a trajectory towards championship baseball. What does he get out of that? He's in the Hall. His his legacy cemented. He's already won championships with multiple organizations. This doesn't change that. I don't know what's in it for him. Only it seems like a Robin Ventura situation, like, hey, can you do this favor for me and lead this team to the next level? We'll get you out in two, three years type of thing. Not, man, I have a burning desire to manage again, and this is the perfect situation, and there's nothing I would love more to mold these young minds into champions type of thing. He's not feeling that. At least with A.J. Hinch, you feel like he's got redemption on his mind. He's got uh, a legacy to to rebuild that championship's tainted. Wins one with the White Sox. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing, A.J. Hinch. Same thing with Alex Cora. But Tony Russo, it makes zero sense for him to take this job. It takes zero sense for the White Sox to hire him. So the fact that it's getting not only like the first the initial thing, I think everybody said, oh, Bob's full of crap. Bob Nightingale, he's garbage. He's throwing that shit against the wall, see if it sticks. But he doubled down on that. And most people who are reporters around the league said that is real. That what they have in Tony LaRusso is real. They're really interviewing that guy. They have uh, permission from the Angels, which is weird to me. And it's making me angry that they're wasting our time, wasting our time right now. Me talking about it. The score, I got to talk about it every day or (laughs) playing some guy to talk about it, girl to talk about it. It makes me mad. The Sox are DJ Scat Cat and Paul Abdul. <laughs> Two steps forward, 
two steps back. back because opposites attract. I think that's a good yes. place to leave it here. Um, we still have report cards to do this week. We'll, we'll hit that before the week is up. But don't worry. Danny Menick's mother's waiting. Like, what happened to this report card? I was supposed to be getting it. Uh, how was your grades, Danny? Little Danny Menick, what's going he's on getting, here? He's getting whipped. <laughs> Not them I swear, cards. I promise. Like they haven't done them yet. They, you know, yeah, the season's been over for two weeks. What are you talking about? So we'll get those, and next week, man, we'll start to ramp it up and talk about managerial candidates. So uh, that that's all I got for tonight. Just uh, just tr- try to relax, everyone, and you know, see this for what it is. I think, which is just uh, trying to get the. Uh, Trying to get the old man's name out there for a little bit, Tony LaRusso. Trying to get him some pub and ultimately get him a nice cushy advisory role next to his buddy Jerry Reinsdorf. I think that's where this is heading. So let's just try to calm down, people. But that's all I, I got. I don't want that either. Why? Too many cooks. Too many cooks. But these guys, they're not they're not cooking, man. <laughs> I don't want him saying nam word about anything baseball-wise. Oh, do you How think? How about you do this? You do. No. You, so do you think like all of a sudden T.A.? Gets out of the national spotlight again, and then all of a sudden, here comes Tony down from from his perch. Say, you know, I don't like that. You're doing flipping the bat and throwing the bat around. That's not respecting the game. Like, are you worried that that's that could be a thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, you. I just think of Jim Tomey when I when I think of guys with advisory roles. Like, occasionally he'll go out and help scout someone and give you his opinion on what he sees in a guy's swing or whatever. But ultimately, that's that, and it's just a guy to interview at spring training. I think that that's all it is. You know, so, sort of someone to run interference from the players and coaches with the media and stuff like that. I think that's that's what these jobs are. So even if if he gets that, fine, whatever. I, I you know, yeah. What are we are we stealing him from the Angels? I mean. And the Diamondbacks, like that's what, what I'm saying. I don't think they have ma- with these guys. So I'm saying I don't think they matter at all. Like these, like it's, it's the good old boys network, man. Like they're just like everyone just bouncing around from team to team, you know, giving getting, them a, a check. Like yeah, it a, it's obscene. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know maybe one day they'll be like that with podcasts, and we can some emeritus <laughs> money. You know, yeah, so manager that- emeritus, just hey, here's some money. You need to get some money because you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah. We don't see Bobby Cox doing that. Our but, guy Bobby Cox. Yeah. Well, we also saw got inducted to the Hall of Fame that day too. Yeah, that was, was a great day. Joe Torre also. What a managerial class. Um, but and yeah, a bunch of Braves too. God yeah, damn. Exactly. And yeah, so that goes to show you though. Don't let these people tell you they don't have any money in the off season because look at all these jobs are given around to to advisors you know so that that's all i got tonight we're we're already rambling on too much here but report cards later this week and uh, more news as it happens with this manager thing and we'll break down our candidates next week that's all i got all right that is chris tanhill follow him on twitter at chris tanhill i am herb lawrence ecknerwall 23 is how you follow me and the show is locked on socks it is on twitter and on instagram at locked on socks the email we haven't done mailbag monday this week because we had bigger fish to fry but send your emails in anyways locked on socks at gmail.com that is locked on socks at gmail.com we will answer your questions if you make the show so for chris tanhill my name is herb lawrence this has been another frustrating episode of locked on socks <laughs> <laughs>